Welcome to Transforming Faith, where we talk frankly about what needs to change in us, what needs to change in the church, and what needs to change in the world, even as we follow and worship a God who doesn't change. I am Ed Black, your host of Transforming Faith, and I'm joined by Forest Lakes Director of Community Engagement and Director of Mission, Jody Beckham. Jody, welcome. Thank you, Ed. Jeff Armstrong, an experienced nonprofit administrator, has spent his 16-year career building programs addressing homelessness while fighting for equity in our communities. He formerly was with the United Way of the Midlands, leading new initiatives focused on youth development and building resiliency. He serves on the South Carolina State Community Development Council for Truist Bank, is an appointed member of the Affordable Housing Task Force in the City of Columbia, mentors at the South Carolina Department of Juvenile Justice, and is a member of Family Promise National Racial Justice Council. Jeff, welcome to Transforming Faith, and we are glad you're with us today. Thank you so much, Ed. Happy to be here. Thanks for joining us. Jeff, tell us your story. How did you land in this position at Family Promise? So, as you mentioned, I've been working in homelessness for close to 17 years now, and uh, started my career in Maryland, right outside of Baltimore. And um, working in a shelter there, getting that kind of experience, kind of boots on the ground experience, then going to another organization that was more focused on housing. So my wife moved down here. You either move for love or money. So my, my wife moved for money. She had a position offer at USC to uh, work in a lab, and um, she is a professor there. So followed her down here. I started working at United Way of the Midlands and heard about this position at Family Promise of the Midlands, and it was for executive director. And I had, talking about how God works, I had more than a few people tell me about it, although I wasn't open to receive that at the time. Um, It happened to be on a Sunday at one of the churches that Family Promise works with. I was doing a film, I was leading a discussion there, and there was a board member in the audience. The board member came to me, said, you would be great for this position, you need to apply. And that is exactly how I got to Family Promise. So it was almost like the fourth time that God was kind of tapping me on the backside to say, hey, this position is for you. And that's how I got here. How awesome is it that it worked out for you with your wife taking the job at USC and then you landing in a job that you clearly are passionate about? That, I mean, it's just a blessing. You know, it's, it's prayer about the right doors opening up for you. It's prayer about helping the people in the community that I truly want to be able to help. That's a personal mission. So when you could tie that into the work that you're doing day in and day out, that is just, I mean, just a blessing. Well, and you're doing that at, at home, too, because you all have children, correct? Yes, yes we do. Oh, two daughters, 11 and 8 years old. So they're seeing their mom serve by working at USC and serving college students, and then they're seeing what their dad does. So that's a wonderful thing that both of y'all are doing and serving different populations, which I can imagine is challenging at times, but also very rewarding. It absolutely is. I want them, you know, and and I think we'll talk about this a little bit during our podcast, but I want them to kind of understand what the other side can look like, um, what growing up in poverty looks like. I lived through that. I don't want them to go through that, but I want them to be aware of it. And I think that's one of the critical things that Family Promise of the Midlands does. We're able to show another culture how maybe a, a culture that's a little bit closer to poverty lives. And I think that's how you transform people when you begin to see how other people live. What would you say has been the most surprising thing 
about your time in Columbia so far? Wow. Outside of the delicious food and, and yeah, and all packing on about 20 pounds, I think, uh, you know, I, I love the sense of community and the faith-based community. That's what truly, that's what drew me to Family Promise. It's understanding there's people around the table. They might not know exactly what to do, but they're willing to listen and willing to learn. But most, most of all, they're willing to serve. Well, you get to work with those congregations that are willing to listen, are willing to serve, which it's probably a 24-7 job for you. But, man, it has a lot of rewards, too. It absolutely does. I, we partner with 34 congregations uh, here in our community. Of, of course, Forest Lake Presbyterian being one of them. And we could not do the work that we're doing. We have a very small but mighty staff. And it is because of our volunteers that we're able to do a lot of the service that we have, the, you know, I came on January 2020. So it has been a time of kind of just keeping, keeping my head down and, and, and just constantly swimming, constantly treading water. And now to finally be able to kind of look up and see how far we've come and how much we've done over the past two and a half years, it's incredible to me. And it could not have been done without our partner congregations. Well, 34 of them is a lot. And so for those who may be unfamiliar with Family Promise, Talk about the role that these congregations play with Family Promise. Sure. So prior to the pandemic, we had a more of a traditional model of service. Family Promise of the Midlands is one of over 200 affiliates across the nation addressing homelessness, addressing family homelessness specifically. And uh, these congregations, we have host congregations and support congregations. The host congregations will host our families for a week at a time, and the families will rotate to the next church. The support congregations are there to help those host congregations, whether it's providing food, volunteering, um, playing games with the children, all those things. Of course, since March 2020, we had to really shift the way that we're serving, um, but we still were able to help families in, in new and creative ways. And of course, we are you know, again, trying to figure out the best way that we could go back to potentially serving in our churches again. What what does that model look like? Who is able to host our families again? All those things. So there's a lot of really exciting ways of serving going on. And and honestly, just to get back to that question about the excitement of Columbia, it's that people can dream with you. They're okay with dreaming with you and helping support that dream if they see the benefit for those who have less than in our community. Sounds like that's what really gets you excited, you know, working with these congregations, serving others, engaging the congregations to serve others. Do you think that's the thing that drives you the most when you get out of bed every morning? Absolutely. Uh, It's to see people who want to truly give back, and it's not because the cameras are around. You know, it's and um, that is, to me, what I've loved about Family Promise from the moment I heard about it. You know, and, and before I came on, Family Promise, because they were in the traditional model, they, they weren't maybe serving as many families as other organizations are. You know, they weren't looked at as being a major player in this, you know, social issue because they just weren't serving enough families. Um, but I saw, I truly could see the people who are giving back and volunteering. And now that we are, we, we definitely have the, the number of families served um, and referrals made and all those things happening now. But you look at it and you're like, we can make a, a big impact here with with our volunteers and building awareness. One of the things that I, I love to say is, you know, we're, we're partnering with AARP now. We have 
many older adults who are our volunteers who serve as our front line, who bring meals. We just had a, a candlelit dinner at our center a couple weeks ago, and we're able to also help um, people who have retired and giving them a second career, a, a part of a family. They they are as much, you know, our volunteers are, we are family together. You know, we, we know what kind of milk they like, what kind of cereal, what kind of shows they're watching, what they're doing that week in their retirement community they may live in. So I'm, Family Promise isn't just serving families in our community experiencing homelessness. We're allowing older adults to have opportunities to give their expertise and share things with our families, share things with our staff to make us a better organization overall. And Jody, I think you've been surprised at the growth in interest in Family Promise here within the Forest Lake community over the past couple of years, too. Despite the challenges that we've had with COVID, there's still a heavy amount of interest with everything else going on. It's been a pleasant surprise. Oh, yeah. I think people who have been involved in the program have such a heart for it and um, really miss seeing those families come in the door here. Um, I, I don't think that's going away at all. You know, we we have been in a cool position because um, I, I can remember, you know, we the first meeting we had to discuss this new project coming to Columbia, Family Promise, and what? We're going to ho- house homeless families in our church? What does that look like? How's that going to work out? Um, but, you know, for, I guess, about two years, you know, we were in that planning process and bringing it into creation and um, then watching it work. It was it was really cool to see. It. But the way the, the volunteers embraced it, yeah, they, they have really missed, you know, having that interaction. And, and I will say, you know, that I, I've really missed seeing that, too. And, and I think that is one of the thing, the coolest parts about family promise when you when you have these families come in and our volunteers come and spend the night as hosts or bring in a meal and sit down and eat with them and talk to them it really breaks down those barriers that are perceptions in your head that these people are different from me you know you really learn that there's no difference we're all one and i don't think there's anything more sacred that we do than breaking bread with anyone. So Forest Lake community, when we break bread with those who are living within our church walls, it's meaningful both ways. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. It's a powerful experience. And that's wonderful to hear that you all are partnering with different organizations. So I imagine AARP maybe ride share or career advice for some people or taking them to appointments. That, that and, and honestly helping, so, you know, one of the things we want to do outside of educating our volunteers, so we have a monthly brunch and learn opportunity for our volunteers. So we want to equip them and help them understand folks who may be coming through the front door trying to receive services and some of the things that they have gone through. So having social workers on staff and other organizations to come in to educate them on those resources and things. So, but it's not just about them serving us. We want to also recognize them. So some of the things that we're going to be able to do in terms of just recognizing our volunteers and having fun meals and events and get togethers to truly honor those who, who make us who we are. And they're probably surprised at some of the things that they learn from you all. And I'm curious to know, Jeff, from your perspective, someone who has not always lived in Columbia, what is it like to be poor 
in Colombia? So I think it's what it's like to be poor anywhere, you know, so I could say from I, from a personal aspect in kind of childhood and teenage years and even early 20s, growing up poor, um, being on free lunch, the stigma that comes with wanting and needing free things um, to make it, but also because it makes you happy. Um, so you can understand from that standpoint why, you know, and, and I'll speak from a personal, you know, level of you would wait in line for a long time to get something that's free because it makes you feel good because you're getting, you're receiving something. So understanding that aspect, uh, even deeper, always being in a sense or always being in a, in a space of chaos. You learn to live in that space all the time. So there's nothing around you that really impacts you as much. So even in this position that I'm in today, things may go bad. The printer may go down. Something may happen at our center, but I could, be calm throughout because I've experienced these things in my life and there's nothing that could push me down or knock me down because I've experienced these things. So you I think develop that resiliency. Absolutely. And I think that's the importance of family promise. So I think that to answer your question is being poor in Columbia or anywhere. What it's like is you're always worried about the next minute or hour. You're never planning for the next week or what you're going to do on the weekend, or what vacation you're going to take in the summer, or what, where you're going to take your kids on spring break. You can never think that far. You're always thinking about the next meal, um, the next day. When can we get to the laundromat to wash our clothes? Um, you know, Do we have enough to scrape together to get a motel for the night? And those are the experiences that I remember that I had, that it's like some nights you're going to sleep in a car, some nights you're going to scrape together enough to get in a, in a motel, uh, some nights you're going to have to clean up in a gas station bathroom. There's, you just, it's your world. It's, you don't know if, if I knew if I lived in a palace somewhere and I went to that world and I'm like, oh, wow, I want to go back to the palace. But when you only kind of know that space, it's, it's what you grew up feeling. It's, it's kind of that, not even realizing that it's trauma, but it does equip you. That's why I tell our families and our children, and I'm so thankful to be in this position of leadership now, it equips you to, to be able to handle more, to be able to do more. You always often wonder how, are, how can someone be a firefighter? How can someone be in law enforcement? There's something, um, there's a resiliency that they have, that fight or flight response that we have, that fight, flight or freeze response. And generally, you know, there's a, a different reaction. So how can we use that to our advantage? How can we use that to thrive in the workplace? So those are the things I think that um, when I think about poor, when I think about poverty, I see opportunity. And I think that's the only way you could work in a position like mine and feel and provide hope to families, which is what our churches do for us as a staff and as an organization. It's what we want to do for our families. Essentially, you all are running to the fire. That's correct. That's correct. Yes. And, and it's, that's one of the things, again, we're talking about training our volunteers up to understand that our families are doing, our people that are calling, doesn't have to be our families. We get many calls for f people that aren't families that don't qualify for our services. But one of the things we're doing is ensuring that our volunteers can get them to that next step and not just drop them off. Kind of like, you know, everyone's been on the phone, customer service, and you get dropped off at a different department. You got to tell your story all over again. We don't want to necessarily have that happen to our, to the people calling in. But, um, one of the things that we try to explain to our volunteers is when you're at that point of crisis, trying to figure it out, go mode, you will share things that, that you may think will help you get to your goal, you know, and that's where educating our volunteers, have them kind of 
seeing, um, understanding more of that process and how that works, and then working with the staff member to then collaborate on that call or, you know, the person calling in, that kind of thing. And our volunteers just have done a fantastic job of understanding that because it's, it's a skill. What are the things, if I'm wanting to volunteer for sure. Family Promise, what are the, 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 the main goals that you as an organization try to instill in your volunteers? What should they be looking out for or what should they know before interacting with a client? That we're all human. You know, there, there isn't any difference from one of our moms in the program and you, you know, whether or not you have a, a doctorate degree or wherever. I've, I've heard that before. Well, I have this degree. How can I interact with the family? We're all human. You interact with the person at the grocery store. You interact with someone anywhere. You know, how do you? So I think that there's that part of it, just understanding that we're all together in this thing. And you're going to learn as much about yourself and your upbringing as our families will learn about kind of how you've been. And to me, that is how we heal our communities. We help people build social capital and help them understand there are other opportunities out there and other positions. Of, and and that, I think, is one of the biggest things. It's that we're, we're all human, you know. And um, I think the volunteer opportunities also, I want to get people in, in their areas of expertise as well. So it's not just about... Yes, the meals, absolutely, breaking bread together, that is one of my favorite times when we get together and can share, just be open. That's part of it. But when it comes to professional development, personal development, uh, someone is an artist. You know, we, we have this new partnership with Columbia Children's Theater where our children are going to be able to participate with the, um, you know, and put together plays, and whether it's behind the scenes, whether it's acting, whether it's costume design. And if you have... Uh, you know, a capacity for that kind of thing, we would love for you to be involved. I mean, we I want to remove the stigma from homelessness. So when people come to our center, it's not that oh, I'm going to this place that serves individuals and families experiencing homelessness. I'm going to a place where I enjoy myself. I have a good time. We I get to network the same way that we would network at an event and on a rooftop at a nice place. And I want our families to feel that same thing at our center and have a good time and enjoy themselves. Yes, we're going to sprinkle some financial literacy. We're going to talk about housing stability, being a good neighbor, all those things. But we're not going to just shove it. You know, we're not just going to say, this, you need to learn this before you leave the pro. No, we're going to do it in a way that I want to learn, do it in a way that you might want to learn. And I think that's the, the key in kind of um, shifting that, that paradigm of moving someone from homelessness to stable to, you know, that housing. Well, and you're looking for transformation, not just for the recipient but also for the volunteer 100 percent correct what's the hardest part jeff of the job the the desire to want to see everyone succeed you know to know that everyone's not in that that position to where they're ready to to hear everything you have to share or do everything or receive the services that they need you know, it's we we're not equipped to meet all the needs of someone, but we have partners in the community who are. If you refuse those services, there's only we can only get you so far on your journey. So uh, to me, I think that's probably the most heartbreaking thing. And it's so much more heartbreaking when because all of our families have children. So for me, those kind of heartbreaking moments are how can we provide enough resiliency, enough experiences for that child to know, for them to use this moment, for them to use this activity for when we're talking about Camp Impact and we can get into that a little bit, but 
what can we do for that child for them to use that experience to those seeds that we're planting at that moment for them to get through that crisis or that trauma. And that's kind of what I've had to learn to take solace in because it's really, it's not easy. And you know, you all know this, it's, it's hard not to bring your work home with you. Um, I, I do my best not to, but you know, that we're families that are suffering and people who might be living in a car or are these kind of things. And you know, you want to do so much resources can be limited, uh, you know, and, and staff capacity, you know, that's another part. It's like, we want to help everyone that comes to our door, but we know my staff is not going to be any good if we're all burnt out. So that's another part of it. Well, and your perspective probably changed the minute you became a parent. Right. Absolutely. That's a wow. That's a very good point. Yeah. I'll, you know, the funny thing, I'll, like I mentioned, I was working in a shelter in Maryland and it was a 24-7, 365 day a year shelter. We had a, a suicide prevention hotline and, um, you know, the police would drop people off at our front door. I mean, it was hopping all the time. And. I remember just pouring my heart and soul in there and staying, you know, late after hours and trying to help the children that were that were there because we didn't really have a after school program per se. And um, and then my, my first child was born. I, I became a germaphobe one. And um, the other part was it's like, oh, my gosh, you know, I, I, I have to, you know, have this. I have to set boundaries. Otherwise, I'm not going to be here as a parent. Otherwise, I'm not going to function well as a husband. So I think that's the other part of it is, you know, you have to set boundaries. Otherwise, I'm, I'm not I'm going to take everything home with me, you know, Get lost in the job. That's right. Who do you think was a spiritual mentor for you growing up? Because you have such a compelling story. You have many different life circumstances. Not many people have sure. the experience that you had working with trauma. Right. Was there, a men, was there a mentor along the way that connected with you that now you're using some of those same core values with others? You know, one of the things that I didn't, because of the family and the kind of, the, again, the chaos, and we moved when I was 13, 14 years old across country because of various reasons. But my high school basketball coach, I think, was that person for me. <laughs> and I know, you know, and I know how, how much basketball means to you. But, you know, at the time, you, you, I didn't realize it. Like, I, I, I heard his lessons. I was listening to what he was saying. But, I mean, it, it means so much now looking back on some of the things that he shared with me at the time. And part of that, whether it's just simply making sure that I had, you know, you have your shooting shirts and your shooting jackets and you, you, your gear, your shoes. My family couldn't afford any of that. Um, so, he provided that for us without telling anybody um, the, the, the lessons he would give me. He was my, I actually said this at, at a rotary club I was speaking at, it, the AV equipment wasn't working. It was just one of those things where, you know, nothing's going right. And I'm going up there to, to a group of, of, of wonderful people. And you couldn't hear the person that was introducing me. It was just so much going on. And I said, you know, this reminds me of a time where my high school basketball coach, who was also my driver's ed instructor, he, um, I remember driving. All I care about is my hands on 10 to 2 looking straight at the road. And he kept saying, Jay, what do you see out of the, you know, your peripherals? What color is that woman's shirt going? And I'm like, you know, coach, I, I can't see. I'm, I'm looking at the road. What do you, you know, what's the name of the story? Come on. So the point of that story was when, when we stopped driving, I was a point guard. When we stopped driving, he said, Jeff, on the basketball court, you need to see the whole floor. You need to see anyone's coming at you. You need to know, Ed, you would love this, what kind of press they may be in, whatever's going on, right? Um, in life, you need to treat it the same way. You need to see everything. You, even if something isn't working, even if something isn't operating right, you need to see 
everything going on. And I didn't know it at the time, but he was helping me build my emotional intelligence. Building resiliency. And too. resiliency, absolutely. I mean, keeping correct. with that basketball theme, but your defense changes. That's right. You know, man to man to zone or whatever. That's the same thing in life. And what you've had to do growing up is things have changed and think people have come at you in different ways. Right. And then now you are dealing with people with various circumstances. Exactly right. That's exactly right. Helping to instill in them that resiliency. That's right. It's amazing the, the role that a mentor can play and the seeds that you all are planting now in the young people that you're interacting with. You never know down the road the impact that that's going to have. You know, I was watching the Duke game a couple weeks ago when they played Chapel Hill, and it was Coach K's last home game. And you see 90-something Duke players showed up for his final home yep. game. Uh, the impact that he has. I mean, that's, those are the only 90, I guess, that made it out of the hundreds, if not thousands, of players that he's coached in his lifetime. And then I and also read, I have all these basketball books in my house, that Dean Smith would buy his players, you know, longtime UNC coach, would buy his players jackets that those who couldn't afford it because he wanted his guys to look good sure. yeah. and dress what dress for the role, being a UNC basketball player. That's right. It's That relationship, I think – those relationships it, it helps you become the person you want to be and then it helps you reach back out and do the same thing so again at the time you're i'm a, I'm a teenage punk you yeah, know you, I, you don't know i don't know happening. yeah i'm just happy i'm just happy to have the team shoes i'm not i'm happy to have the shirt i'm happy to have the travel when we're going on the road gear to match everyone else um and again the the basketball team it won't it wasn't like we were coming for money i mean we all were coming from similar backgrounds and situations so there's that aspect as well. And, um, but again, it, I just, the, the lessons and that life advice that no one else can give. And, you know, the, your coaches know you well. They know how you're doing in class. They know how respectful you are with your teachers. And, and my, I'm actually, my wife is my high school sweetheart. So he helped me then too, you know, because my, of course, my, well, my in laws are visiting. Actually, they're coming here today from Virginia. But, you know, I, I wouldn't have liked me as a teenager. You know, I'm, our family doesn't have a car. Our family doesn't have anything. And, you know, my, my wife is, is the brain. She's always been smart. She's always done well in school. And, you know, here, here it is that this, you know, this guy is now dating my daughter. So I understand it from that aspect. But my coach helped me navigate that road, too, because, you know, it was something that I, because of various reasons, you know, we're, we're different races and, and things. And that made it even more challenging. But, you know, he, he told me, he, he actually said to me, Jeff, well, my daughter is the age that she's old enough to date. I will let her date outside of her race because of you, because of the person you are. And that, I mean, that meant more to me than anything he's done, said, because I was at the time when I was at my lowest. So that was one thing he said to me that I take with me to the grave. And I can only imagine, or I can only, that's why our volunteers are so important, because you don't know if it's that one thing, that one smile, that one whatever, you know, that, that truly impacts someone enough to Take, put them on a whole different trajectory of life. And um, that, what, that's what I think is the most powerful thing about the organization. Yeah, it gives them a sense of connection with someone. So you could have somebody that, you know, you're all are serving somebody that was maybe in the armed forces and has been discharged and right now going through, the period, going through a period of transition. And then here comes a volunteer that maybe was in the Army or the Navy coming in, and bam, they have that connection. That's exactly right. Jeff, I'm curious, how do you apply for – for services through Family Promise, so you would call our uh, call our center, and uh, you would speak to generally a staff person or volunteer, 
and we would do an initial intake on you to see if you qualify for our services. We, there are more resource again, resources aren't, I use that word loosely, but it's hard to find um, shelter. We, we don't have many options for shelter. Uh, we did during uh, the pandemic receive a, a home from Clayton. I put in a grant and we received a, our own manufactured home. We have some static site sheltering options that we have and we're tr- I'm trying to grow that. My dream is to have 25 of those by 2025, have those options. Um, but we do have resources related to preventing an eviction or helping someone move from homeless to housed. So uh, you would call our number and speak to speak to either volunteer or staff person, go through that intake process, and then we will process that paperwork and, and get back to you or find out, you know, you wouldn't qualify for our services because you're a single adult or whatever the case may be. We will refer you to an, a, another organization and then follow up with you on that. And I know you'll have a big event coming up in April. Yes, we do. It is our Night of Promise Gala. It's on April 30th at 701 Whaley Street. And uh, we have our um, Hannah Cumler from WIS is going to be an MC. Lou Green is going to be an MC. We're going to have live music by Prettier Than Matt, uh, some heavy hors d'oeuvres, and uh, free valet parking. So there's going to be adult beverages served as well. It's going to be a silent auction. So it, it really is our, our biggest fundraiser of the year. And, um, you know, excited to see folks come out to support, to see people in person. We haven't had a gala since 2019. So honestly, to have an in-person celebration is going to be really awesome. Well, it's going to feel good, too, just to look out and see people there. It's been so hard to do everything virtually, I would imagine. And for your role especially, just to see people. Definitely. it's It's been nice. These, you know, I've, I've been so busy, I think, these past couple of months because I've finally been able to go out in person to churches and speak at services. But Forest Lake was one of the first congregations to invite me in to speak at a service. And I mean, that matters so much to us to share what we're doing. I think for, you know, the, the congregants is one thing to know loosely about an organization, kind of what they do. Okay, that's nice. I want to support. But when you're able to see it and, and actually come in, that's why we just invite anyone who's interested in taking a tour of our center. You know, we've changed the name um, that we called it a day center previously, and that's more of kind of an outdated term that Family Promise National used for centers of, you know, that for Family Promise, we've changed that to the Tomorrow's Promise Opportunity Center. So it's it's more of a, that again, removing the stigma from homelessness, I want it to be a place where people come and they, it's not that, oh, it's a day center because I'm, li- I'm sleeping at a church at night and I'm going to the center in the day. No, it's a place where there's resources. We have this wonderful partnership with uh, Inner Soul, Don Staley's Foundation, where we have tennis shoes there for children that are in our program, or when we do events with other partners. We did um, a fall festival with the Youth Corps recently with bounce houses and fun things where families came in. And it's a way that we can engage families, but it's also a place where, where children can have fun as well. If I'm listening to this podcast, Jeff, and we expect many, many people are, of course, and I want to be involved in Family Promise, what's the first step that I need to take? Give us, give us a call, 803-832-4765. Or, you know, honestly, we, you know, we would love to see you at, at our center. We're located right off of Broad River Road on 1333 Omaris Drive, right in Columbia. So, you know, just come by. We would love to see you, love to show you around and take you on a tour of our center and explain some of the new exciting things we have going on. Well, Jeff, we're grateful you were here today. Thanks very much. 
Absolutely. I was, I really enjoyed myself. Thank you everyone who's listening and Forest Lake, Jody, you know, Reverend Skidmore, Ed, thank you all so much for what you do for this organization. You might not know or see it, but I promise you, you are transforming lives. Thank you. And congratulations on getting through the past couple of years in a very difficult time. Thank you so much, Ed. This has been Transforming Faith, a podcast produced by Forest Lake Presbyterian Church in Columbia, South Carolina. This podcast is a labor of love produced by us with indispensable help from Andy Hayworth. If you have comments, questions, or suggestions, please contact us at contactus at flpc.org. Until next time, we wish you God's peace.